Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. is critical. Pastor Caitlin just pours herself in and works hard and prays hard and diligently and she loves your kids and she's built and is building an awesome team of volunteers and people that also love your children. Pastor Naomi does the same. She just gives so much and loves your teenagers so very much. And they plan and they pray and they assemble and they gather and they do all these things because they love God first. They love your children, but they also love you. And they want to be faithful to lead. Action A. Now is the time for us to act. Otherwise, your kids don't have a chance. They just don't. Typically, when I preach, my favorite way to preach, and this isn't terribly important to you, but I'd like to preach what we call expository messages. I like to take a passage and just walk through that passage of Scripture. That's what I do most weeks. Today's going to be a little bit different. We're going to move around to several different places in Scripture and, and that's only because there's just so much in so many parts of God's Word that is so vital for our families, our homes. I just want to share a lot of it. Is that okay? Are we okay with that? And so this morning, as we dive in, um, I, just, I just want to ask you a quick question. We talk about our ministry here to our kids and to our students, but I just want to put this out there. How can you do that at home. How can you be a protector, a fighter, a guardian, a hope giver, a life speaker, a truth teller? How do you do that at home? This is what I want to share with you for just a few minutes. And then Caitlin and Naomi are going to come up and help us with this. Let me just give you a a couple of key ideas about this. First of all, God's Word has to be the standard for every conversation, every decision that you make with, for your children, and and the things that you include them in. God's Word has to be the standard. 2 Timothy 3 says that God's Word, what what He has given us, all Scripture is God. God breathed. It is the Word, the heart of God for you and for your children. All Scripture is God breathed out and it is beneficial for teaching, reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Why? So that every man and woman may be complete, prepared for every good work. God's Word has to be the standard of, uh, uh, for us. So let's do this. Let's talk about when you make a decision 
for and with your children for the things they can do and experience and see, whether they have a tablet, whether they have a device, whether they have access to apps on their phone, whether they even have a phone to carry around with them. The decision has to be built and based on God's word for you. I know that sounds ridiculous. Technology, God's word. But have you lined up your heart for your kid, for your family with God's Word? Here's what I mean by that. I'm not saying there are no scripture, there are no verses, there's no passages on whether or not to give your kid technology. But there are passages about guarding your mind and your heart. About devoting yourself to the will and the ways of God about being imitators of God. 1 Peter 1, about being holy as God is holy. So if we have this device, we have to be prepared. They have to be equipped. They have to know what it means to be a child of God, to bear His image. And then the way we use this is a reflection of that. You with me? Every decision, where your kids go, who they spend the night with, how late they stay out, how long they go on a trip, who they're spending their time with, bad company corrupts good character. That's biblical. And so we ask all these questions about what it means to be a parent in a very hostile world. And it has to line up with Scripture. And I'm not just talking about your children memorizing Scripture. I'm talking about you being in God's Word so that when you are forced to make decisions and spend time and correct and help and teach and train them in righteousness, God's Word is already in you. And then that's what comes out. You with me? And it's not just the Bible. It's not just knowing what Old Testament, New Testament says about your children and the way you raise them. But also, let me encourage you as a part of that to talk about the teachings of Jesus often. You pour that into them and then let them grow in their salvation, in their righteousness. And then Jesus' words get into their hearts and then when they get squeezed, that's what comes out. You with me? Why? Because the world is hostile. The world is mean. The enemy, 1 Peter 5, 8, is like a roaring lion seeking whom he will devour. The enemy hates your children. But God, our God, the great Almighty who sits on the throne and is in control of everything that is, ever has been, ever will be. The picture of the Narnia Aslan, the great lion, right? Aslan is not tame. He is a force. He is dangerous. And he wants to destroy and devour the enemy on behalf of your children. The question is, will you let that God reign in your life and in your home so that when your children are predator, are being, being stalked by the predator Satan, that God, the great lion, is in your corner fighting off everything that comes after your children. This is what it means 
to live, to decide, to guard your home with God's Word as the standard. Not only that, I want to challenge you, encourage you. Talk about cultural issues often. Talk about what's happening in the world. Moms, dads, parents, I just encourage you. Don't be surprised by the things that your children are walking through, living in, your teenagers are experiencing. Don't allow yourself to be surprised by those things. You walked through so much of this yourself. It didn't look the same because you didn't have TikTok when you, well, some of you did. You didn't have TikTok when you were teenagers. But you were bombarded by music or by video or by TV or conversation or things or celebrities driving the culture, we will not be driven by that. We will not be forced into believing what the world believes by people that have louder, bigger voices than we do. Because no one has a bigger voice in the world and in the culture and the direction of the world we live in than the God who made it and who wants to reign supreme in your home and in your marriage. It's what God wants for you. He wants to be a victor for you. So let's talk about a couple of different viewpoints where you have to make a choice, your children make a choice, and you're teaching them. Let's talk for a minute about moral relativism versus God's way. Moral relativism says this, you choose what is right for you. Left to their own decisions and their own impressionable brains and the forces of culture that dictate what is and isn't cool or acceptable or fun or awesome. It's it's all driven by somebody else making decisions that are right for them. That's what they believe. And we know from God's Word, Proverbs 14, 12, that there's a way that seems right to man, and in the end, it leads to what? Death. (laughs) In the end, the way that seems right to us, our natural self, leads to death and destruction. They can't choose for themselves. You're the parent. You're not their friend. You're not their guardian. You're not their decision maker. You're the sum of all those parts. You can be all those things to them. But if they are left to their own way of thinking and their own desires and their natural self, they will choose a way that leads to death. You and I have a great responsibility to point our kids and our students in the way that God desires for them. So what is God's way? God's way is what is right, what is best for you, what is best for your kid is what God wants for them. Philippians 2.13 For it is God who is at work both to His will and for His good pleasure. And what is the good pleasure of God? It's that all of us might be saved. Saved from what? Not just a devil, not just the enemy, but saved from ourselves. 
Jesus died on a cross for you and me because he knew that we would make choices for ourselves that would lead to death. And so Jesus made a decision for himself that led to death so that you and I could be wrapped up and bought with that price, redeemed by his blood, set free by his life so that we now are no longer slaves to death, but now we are prisoners of the Lord, which leads to life. This is what he wants for you, for your family. Talk about the things Jesus taught. If you don't know how, let me give you a really easy resource. And I should have just put it on the screen. Gotquestions.org. Gotquestions.org. You can pull up that website and you can type in alcohol for teenagers. Type in my body. You can enter anything into the subject line and it's going to pull up. Here's what God's word says about this. Fill your soul with hope, with help. Seek the teachings of Jesus. Listen, even if it doesn't line up exactly with the things you're dealing with in your home, here's what I know. This is the mystery of God, the beauty of Jesus in His way, is that when you are seeking God, He will never deny Himself to you. So even if you can't find a scripture on whether my kid should have a tablet or not, doesn't matter. You go seek God's Word and say, Jesus, help I'm looking for answers. You type in Jesus and iPads and just see what comes up in God's Word and say, even if it doesn't line up, even if it doesn't make sense, I'm filling my children and my teenagers' hearts with the words of Jesus and I'm going to let Him do the hard parts. Does that make sense? I'm going to let Him do the hard part. I'm just going to do what I can. Matthew 7 says, the way is wide that leads to death. It's easy. The way that leads to death. But the gate is narrow. It is hard. That leads to life. Choose for your kids and your family the way that is hard. Even if they get left out of things that they really want to do, they can be angry at you for a season, but at the end of the day, your hearts, the hearts of your children will be captured and restored and redeemed, and they are going to trust you more and more and more. It's building a life of faith, not a life of fun. This is what he's called us to do. Secondly, not only should we use God's Word as a standard, but secondly, honest communication builds trust. Have honest communication with your kids. When other people do things that are mean and that are broken and that are sinful and have massive consequences, have conversations with your kids about that. Here's what I experienced as a teenager. I don't want you to do the same. I don't want you to make the same mistakes. Here's what happened to me. I want you to learn from my mistakes and grow in godliness. I want God to protect your heart. Be honest with them. Let them communicate the hard parts about their lives. Well, so-and-so did blank. Well, so-and-so doesn't live here. 
And here, we want to follow God's way, not the world's way. Teach them to trust God. If they don't have to trust you, this will help, but you want them to trust God. Why? Because he's got a greater plan, a bigger plan for your life. He wants to be involved in everything you do and everything you experience. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Punishment and discipline are not the same thing. Sometimes we have to Teenagers, kids, listen to me. Sometimes we have to be punished because we make wrong choices. But that's not the same as discipline. Discipline is, I want to help you find a right path, not just give you a consequence for a choice that you made. Discipline is, I want to teach you to sacrifice what you want and choose what God wants. And you can correct behavior in your kid's life, in your children's life, and it's okay that they're angry at you for a while. They're going to get over it. I know I did. Sometimes it takes a long time. But anything worth having, anything worth loving is worth fighting for. Am I right? If they're worth loving, they're worth having, they're worth fighting for. Have open conversation. Kids determine longer lasting truths by what they see than by what they hear. You can speak life, you can speak God's Word, you can speak truth and Scripture over them. You can even tell them Bible stories all day long, but they're watching you and me, and they're learning from that. And so when we get pressed, and we are forced to make hard life decisions, and we choose to react one way or another, our kids are watching us. And so if God's Word resides and lives in you, and you're abiding in Him, when we abide in Him and Him in us, it is He who bears much what? Fruit. Our kids are watching that so that when they get pressed and they have to make hard decisions and they are hurt and they are attacked, what's on the inside is God's Word. And you teach them to walk with Him so that when they do get assaulted, their hearts are ready. 1 Peter 1.16 Always be prepared when anyone asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But Peter says, do this with gentleness and respect. Your kids are watching. Your teenagers are watching. You know this verse, Proverbs 22, 6. You've heard it so many times. Train a child up in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Two thoughts about that verse. We use it as an encouragement so many times. My kid is lost or hurting or they're running from God or they're struggling. And then we share this verse, train a child up in the ways you go. When he's older, he's not going to depart from it. Hey, pray, he's going to come back. Pray the prodigal will return. Pray that he will remember what he's been taught. 
That's a great encouragement. But before any of that happens, this is an imperative command in God's Word. If you want your kid to ever have a fighting chance in this world, train him, train her in the way she should go. Pour God's Word into them. Pour love and devotion into them. Pour a gentle spirit into them. Pour patience into them. Pour hope and wanting and expectation that God will deliver. Pour that into them. And then it'll walk with them and live in them and flow from them when they're pressed and when they're hurt. This is not a fail-safe solution. We know that the enemy gets his hooks into the ones we love and he pulls them away and they get assaulted and they get dragged into the darkness and they make terrible choices for their lives. So did you. So did I. All of us have. But here's the beauty of God's Word. It's so compelling and so beautiful and so illuminating and so powerful. It draws us back to Him. That has to be our constant prayer for our kids and our children. We're not going to just use that verse as an encouragement someday that they'll return. We're going to use it as a reminder today that we owe them a fighting chance in this awful place. So we pour God's Word in. Secondly, don't be afraid to let your kids disagree with you. Have open, honest communication with them. And don't be afraid to let them disagree with you. It's healthy. It builds character. We learn from others. When you show them and teach them, I'm going to let you disagree. At the end of the day, I'm forced to be the one to make a decision for our family, for our home. That responsibility is on you, not on them. But let them disagree with you and do it with gentleness and grace and honor and dignity Show them, I'm going to stay in a righteous way, a righteous frame of mind. I want to be honest with you. I'm going to listen to your argument, but at the end of the day, I have to make the decisions for your life until your own. Then you can make the decisions on your own. When you pay your car insurance, then maybe we'll let you decide how to use that vehicle. When you show maturity and responsibility and grace and compassion for others, and we see Jesus in your life, then we'll let you make some decisions about the moral things in your life. But until then, God's put me over you to help you survive so that you can do this for your children one day. This is the way God rigged the system. Hey, look, I'll be honest. I'll be real transparent with some of you. Some of you don't know me well at all or whatever. I'm not a parent. I've never tried this with my own children. But I've 
been a son of parents who loved me enough to invest God and Jesus and prayer and compassion and grace into me. And at the end of the day, I wanted that for my life because I saw it alive in my parents. They can choose awful things for their lives, whether you do this or not. But if you do not do these things, your kids will make terrible choices for their life. Just count on it. Just plan on it. This is the way God rigged this system. Don't be afraid to let them disagree with you. Here's what happens as we do that. You have to draw appropriate boundaries for your kids. Proverbs 29, 15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his, to his mother. Appropriate boundaries are biblical. Appropriate boundaries aren't just moral. If you just teach morality, your kids are going to decide their own morality is better than your morality or it's different than your morality. But if you teach God's way to your children, you're teaching them, showing them God's word. You are teaching them the teachings of Jesus. You are pouring love and life and prayer and hope and joy and grace and mercy into your children. They will see that alive in you and they're going to want that for themselves. Only by the grace of God can your kids survive in this world. And only if we give them God's word. Appropriate boundaries are biblical and they enable you to set limits for your children, for your kids, for your teenagers that will not just protect them but will show them this is what God wants for you. Your boundaries, if they're biblical, it points back to God and His way, back to Jesus. And you can say, not only is this going to protect you, but now you're walking in step with Jesus. And that's God's will for your life. God's will for your kid, for your teenager, is not where they go to school, what they do for a living, what classes they take, whether they play sports or don't play sports. That is not God's will for their life. God's will for their life is, are you walking in the ways of truth? And do you believe that? And do you have a relationship with Jesus that pours out of your life? That is God's will, that he might be worshiped and that he might be glorified. That's God's will, not just for your kid's life, but for your life. That's God's will for us. The greatest of all communities, it's not the church. This is a great community and a great place to belong and a great place to be. The greatest of God's communities is your home, is your family. This is your great responsibility. Dad's God has set you in place to lead your family with dignity and compassion and hope and strength and joy and purpose found in the Lord. He has put you in place to do that. Not a dad in your home. Moms, just like 
the man you are put in place to drive home God's Word, His promise, His hope. It's not just surviving the next week with your children. It's not just hoping they make good choices for their lives. God has put you in place to be a leader that points them in the ways of Jesus. This is what He wants for you. 2 Timothy uh, 1.12 says, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. When you have open conversation, open, honest communication with your kids, and you're doing everything you know how to earn trust, to build trust, when you stand in front of your kids and say, I am not ashamed for the decisions that I've made and for what I'm doing in your life because I know who I have believed and I'm able to stand against the enemy that is coming after your life because I want you not just to live, not just to stay alive, not just to survive, but I want you to thrive. John 10.10, the enemy comes to steal kill and destroy your home, your children. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have not just life, but have an abundant life. You want your kid to walk in freedom and joy and forgiveness and grace because they've watched you do it. Because they've seen you suffer suffer and struggle through it. This is the call in our lives. All of this all of this sort of ends up here. You can set boundaries. You can set limits. You can make decisions. You can do all you can. You can fight for your children. You can stand up for them when they need standing up for. And you can stand up to them when they need standing up to. But you have to know your limits. You don't make You don't make all the decisions for your kids. They're going to make decisions that you are unaware of. The question is, are you making decisions for your family as you raise them and for your own life that point to God's Word, that point to the teachings of Jesus? Are you making decisions for your life that glorify God or make you happy? They're watching. They're listening their learning. Know your limits and pray. Do not stop praying for your kids. Kayla and Naomi are going to come up and help me with this next little part. But I just want to remind you, God has entrusted you with these children, with these teenagers, And it's a heavy, major, complicated, difficult task. But you are not alone. There's a God fighting for you and with you in your corner and doesn't want want you to just succeed. He wants you to thrive in His Word and in His way and in His will. And so we want to invite you to be, um, be a part of that with us. Not just at your home, but right here. Um, at the river as well. Caitlin, Naomi, how are you doing? Good. Good. All right, you guys.
are the best. So let's start here. What are some of the ways you see children, teenagers struggling in the world? They see it at home. How do you see it? What's happening? That profound love that we find from the Father. And man, when I just see that struggle a lot when they're trying to find who they are. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it's... It's a struggle. It's, yeah. a, ba- it's a battle. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I would say identity is definitely. I think identity, st- it's uh, everything else that our kids experience stems from identity. Mm-hmm. So once they know who they are, then they're able to kind of make that better decision. Well, I am God's. I am God's son or God's daughter. And so those are the decisions I need to make. I think everything else that they get bombarded with in social media and everything else that tells them they can be all these things that they can be. And it really helps them, it makes them struggle with their identity and who they truly are. For sure. And then when, when they struggle with that identity, then they're just looking for something to fill that emptiness in their own lives with whatever they know or whatever they find, right? Yes. So what are you doing to teach God's word to our kids and to our teenagers? Um, every week or when we get back into our regular season and everything, we, we do a message and I absolutely do my best to seek the Lord on what direction he want to take some and what is specially prescribed for them, what they need. And um, we also do small groups immediately after Mm -hmm. so that they can ask the questions and um, talk about what we just heard and what we learned. And we try to go through the scriptures. We'll do activities where like every student has a Bible in their hand. Mm -hmm. And part of the activity is you have to go find that verse or, and it answers this thing or, we, we do a trivia thing, and it's like, you have to find it in Galatians, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's like, they have to grab a Bible. They have to open it up. They have to read the Word. Mm-hmm. And that way, like, it's getting there. We're slowly. And, you know, we do other cool things. You know, we go, like, to D-Now and camp, and that's, um, like, a fun boost. Yeah. yeah. You create other opportunities for them to come and have fun and yes. experience God's Word. But weekly, you're teaching them to find and explore and know God's yes. word for themselves. Yes. And we do a game that's like, how fast can you find this mm-hmm. thing? And, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, mm-hmm. it's intimidating for some, but it's like we all start somewhere. Right. And it's okay to right. not know. Absolutely. I didn't know, you know, mm-hmm. we all start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Uh, for whenever we went to the gathering in Colorado Springs, they one thing that they had told us is that whether she necessarily opens the Bible and reads it or not during her lesson, she has it sitting where the kids can see it. Mm. And I really liked that because whether I open it or not, I may give them a scripture because it's in my you know lesson and I'm just, I walk around a lot when I teach. So, mm. um, but they, they know that what I'm saying comes from the word of God. And so when we went through like um, the armor of God, that was one that I really stuck on for a couple of weeks because it's their most powerful tool. Um, and I wanted to read this, this scripture that I didn't want to butcher it, so I put it on my phone. <laughs> um, but First Peter 2, 9 is kind of what royalty is based off of. Actually, uh, Pastor Tori, she picked this verse and, and kind of built royalty around it, and I've kept it because it's so great. And it's First uh, Peter 2, 9 says, but you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so one of our attention getters on Wednesdays is I say kings and queens, and they say, yes, we are. And so it's making them say out loud who they are Mm -hmm. and who they are in Christ. And so they're reminded of that um, every Wednesday or whenever we have them for VBS or whatever it might be. So... um, whether they are, we're actually opening the Bible, they are getting verses and they're getting taught that that's, 
you know, it's their most powerful weapon. That's good. So you guys do that on a regular basis. You're not just programming, but you're preparing and praying and want them to learn God's word. Communicate your urgency for them about that. What does that look like to be urgent about because you know what they're experiencing or whatever? I think the urgency and like the desperation to, for them just to know him, to know him, not just do church and do the church thing and um, go to church every Wednesday, Sunday and listen to Naomi, listen to Brent, listen to Caitlin. We're human mm-hmm. and we're going to be a human, which means being very imperfect. And so I'm like, I'm desperate. I'm, I want them to know him. So whatever that looks like, like we do a quiet time, whatever, whenever they have questions, I try to answer it in such a way that it's like, know him, love himself, Mm -hmm. Jesus, know him, let him guide you and direct you and just like, if you can know him and figure him out, then like, that's the strongest foundation and the only foundation that you need. And so everything else will kind of fall into place if you can just know him, know love, know, know him. That's good. That's good. Yeah, and I think, you know, we have, we have several kids that come on Wednesday nights and that their parents never step foot in this room. Um, and they, they have to know who they are. It Really, it just comes down to that. Like, they have to know who they are in Christ, and they know, have to know that love that they have because a lot of our children do not have that at home. Right. They don't have that profound love that their parents love them no matter what. There's some kids that think their parents could care less if they even existed. Mm-hmm. And that's harsh. It might sound harsh, but um, it's truth. It's and if, if you want your children to know him, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not chastising you. <laughs> but if you want your kids to truly know him, you have to show him to them. Because Naomi and I, we have them for three, four hours a week, and we love them, and we have fun with them, and we tell them about God, and we have awesome volunteers that show them who God is, and we do all these great things. But if they leave me and they come to your home and they don't experience God daily, they're not going to know him. They don't know what he looks like. When they get older and they can make that decision to, well, I'm going to go have quiet time in my room, even though this isn't something that my mom and dad show me or even though like I'm going to just try to make this important mm-hmm. um, you have to show him to them in your home or they're not going to know him they're mm-hmm. not going to experience that daily and you have to experience it daily to really mm-hmm. have that relationship mm. is that good? you grateful for them? Absolutely. one last question how can we pray for you as you invest in kids and the students I think praying for them to further focus and for what they're seeing, that they can just have this like spirit of revelation that they can see it for what, because like sometimes when you're in a community where it's a blessing, that everybody's for the most part Christian, you know, if you throw a rock, you're probably going to hit one, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, but um, sometimes it's like, ah, yeah, I've heard that story. Yeah, okay, okay. And it's like, no, 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 no. But like, there's more to it. So just praying that, like, that they'll really see it and that they'll really catch it. And that when they're on social media and they see all the things and all the different, yeah, that they'll kind of catch this tunnel vision, that they'll have this, like, filter of, like, the Lord first, but that they'll just see it, that they'll mm. see the Lord. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I think for the same for our kids, like that we we can really, if I can try to instill that identity in them and who they are and kind of let them experience God's love, that they'll be that they'll, their little hearts will be open to it. Because mm-hmm. um, if we can start there, then it makes Naomi's job a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which you know, a first grader's problem is way different than a ninth grader's problem, but um, but it all stems from the same thing. So just that whatever they're facing, that they can remember who they are, they remember that God loves them, and that um, we can continue to create this safe space. So, And pray for our volunteers and our um, all of our staff that comes up here on Wednesdays, because we have awesome men and women that come up yeah. and love on these kids, and they take time away from their kids and their families to come yeah. up here and love on yours. Mm-hmm. So um, just pray for them as well and for their households. And um, yeah. That's good. Let me say a quick word about that, just about the safety, the protection, the mechanisms that we have in place. So we do thorough background screening for all volunteers and staff, even our elders, with minors. If they're around minors at the church, we do a background check on them. That allows us to do three things very equally. I want you to hear my heart on this. We're not just protecting kids and teenagers at the river. We do this and we put things in place to protect kids, the volunteers and the staff that work with them, and the church. We want to protect all three of those things because they're all vital. Are the kids maybe the most vulnerable? Probably, yes. But they're not the only ones that need protecting. And so we as a church want to do due diligence and protect all of it. Is that fair? Does that make sense? And so we need your prayer that this would be a safe place where God's word is actively spoken and taught. And we want to pray for you as well. So let me pray for you, what you're doing. Thank you so very much. And then let me pray for you as well. God, we lay all of this in your hands. We need you. We need your help in creating environments that are safe and healthy and righteous and godly for kids, both at home and here at the church. And God, we pray that their eyes and their ears would be open to hear, to receive your word, that you would step in and like a fresh wind, God, you would change the way they see the world, the things they think about and the things they desire and make them yours, God. Make their hearts yours. God, I pray that you would capture their souls and that you would draw them to yourself and they would want you and want more of you at home, at church. I pray covering, protection, wisdom, excellence, creativity, for Naomi and Caitlin and their teams. Thank you for them. God, I pray dignity and righteousness and health and hope and safety in the homes of these parents, grandparents, guardians, fosters that are raising children. Protect them. Cover them. God, at the end of the day, I pray that you would be glorified through us as a church, through our homes and that children would be drawn to you, and they would grow up and point their kids and grandkids in the ways of Jesus. Help us to do that faithfully and righteously. Help us act and not wait for somebody else to do it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you all so very much. 
as we transition. Yeah, give him a hand. Thank you. As we transition this morning, I just want to lead us into a time of communion. I know we're running a little long. Cowboys aren't playing yet. You're okay. When Jesus stood in front of His disciples in that upper room, He took a cup. And He said, the old covenant was you have to offer a sacrifice to God to be made right with Him. He said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant. This is My blood that's been poured out for you. And He passed it around to the disciples. He said, take this and drink this. And when you do, do this in remembrance of me. I want you to remember the blood that I'm about to spill for your life. And so this morning, as we share in a time of communion, we drink of this cup and we say, thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Thank you for covering us. Jesus, thank you for the sacrifice you made for our lives, spilling your own blood so we don't have to. Jesus, you have covered our lives with your blood so that we could be made right with God. We drink this in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And the bread, he said, was just like it. This is my body which has been broken for you. This is a symbol. This is a symbol of the life Jesus gave for us, but my body will be crushed and broken and destroyed so that you don't have to be. You can't make a sacrifice worthy of the sin in your life. But Jesus said, I can. I did. I will. And he said, take this bread and eat it in remembrance of me. Jesus, we give thanks that you allowed your body to be broken for our sin. Because when we get broken by the world, it's not the end. You were the end. You were the final answer for us to ever be made right with God. Thank you, Jesus, for giving your body, for giving your blood for us. We do this in remembrance of you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you are a Christian from any background, this communion is for you. We share this as children of God. We do this together. It's open to anyone who has trusted Jesus as their Savior. But we don't do this lightly. I want to invite you, before you just get up and go to the table and drink and eat and go back and sit down, I want to invite you, whether as a family or an individual, to lay your life out before a guy, confess sin, to empty yourself of you and let Jesus fill the broken and the empty places for you. Say, God, I'm not worthy of this, but you are. So come receive the gift of Jesus through his body and his blood and do it in remembrance of Jesus. As we prepare to do that, we're going to 
worship here on stage. I want to invite you when you're ready, you come receive communion. Thank you for being here today. We are praying for your families. If you want questions answered about Jesus, we're here and available for you. We pray for you. Come, receive the gift of God. And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.